Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 activities so week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by, uh, I guess, no name needed. It's like uh, Prince. He's got just a couple of symbols here. It's the artist formerly known as Scott Burton. What's up, Scotty? Hey, Brandon. I was wondering how you were going to transition into that one. Um, <laughs> most of the time, you're right on point. You know what I'm going for. But uh, this one here are the symbols when you want to write out swear words. Yeah. Uh, a little uh, a little foreshadowing into what comes on a little bit later. But that's what that one's all about. So anyway, new setup here. Uh, still working on the kind of the garage studio, but this is a start and uh, kind of makes me feel like I'm, you know, doing it like the SPN guys with their bookshelves behind them. And I, I don't have any Emmys or anything, but you know, I kind of like yet. it. Not <laughs> yet. <laughs> I love your optimism. Appreciate it. That's right. Uh, yeah. So obviously we didn't do a show last week. Uh, I was very sick. I still am. Uh, my, I'm sure you, I don't know if you can hear or not Scott, but my voice is not quite all there yet still, but yeah, it's a big weekend coming up too, you know. I know. It's not like there's championships or anything. So <laughs> anyway. I'm sure we can have them wait until you're better. I mean, it, you are Brandon Bainey. You know, I did send an email asking if they could put it off, but they <laughs> yeah, they, they said no, unfortunately. So anyways, uh, yeah, so we'll we'll continue with the show. Sorry we missed last week. Apparently we missed semifinal week last year as well. I guess I just always get sick during the football semifinals. That's kind of the, the regular deal, I guess. Um, but Scott, you took the time with the week off to uh, get the new digs set up. So for those that are watching on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, first of all, you'll see on Scott Burton's name tag that's at the bottom here. He's got a bunch of symbols, you know, the the hashtag and the percentage sign and the dollar sign, all those things we use to replace swear words, which is coming up in Scott's thoughts. But you've also got kind of a cool new setup for those that are listening on IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel or, or uh, on IdahoSports.com or wherever they download podcasts. Kind of describe the setup. So I've got a like a your typical three car garage, right? And so I'm turning one of the sections into a studio and it's a complete man cave and what you're looking at is the behind that setup is the garage door and so i'm decorating it through with all of my memorabilia uh there is my autograph bo jackson raiders jersey um i've got uh my arcade game right there you know so this is man cave city slash studio that i'm still working on and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if I can get it put together, then maybe I can do a podcast here and actually look like I know what I'm doing without a cat crawling across the dang keyboard and the doorbell ringing and and uh, all that kind of crap that we have to go on uh, when we try to do this stuff. So that's the yeah. point. I think you were just jealous of my shelves and all the stuff I've got behind <laughs> me. That's what it was. <laughs> you know what? I didn't, I didn't want to make it that obvious, Brandon, but I am trying to emulate you, my friend. See, I even got the Idaho sports thing, Yeah, you know? So that's right. I, the signage. I come on next week and I've got like this microphone thing coming out. Dude, you better start uh, locking your windows. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Scott dressed up as me for Halloween. That's how that went down this year. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, and and 
we'll only do this segment if people are interested, but, and, and let us know. And maybe I'll put a poll up, but we could do Scott's show and tell. Maybe once a month, you show us something that you've got memorabilia wise and you tell us the story behind it. I like oh. the idea of that. Okay. But we'll see. Look only if the, only if the people want it. So we'll the see. People. If you want it, if you want it, like and comment that you would like Scott's show and tell to see what some of that memorabilia is on the shelves behind him. I've been kicked out of elementary school on multiple occasions for what I bring to show and tell. So this ought to be fun. <laughs> you know, other things that are fun are championships and we've got lots of good championship material. Uh, state swimming was held two weeks ago, Scott at the old good old YMCA, the Boise YMCA, yeah. the same spot. It's always held that. Um, and so we wanted to highlight a couple of magic Valley swimmers that performed well, no team champions, which is always difficult against the likes of like Bishop Kelly and Sandpoint and teams like that at the four A ranks. But we did have a couple of individuals. Let's start on the boys side. Twin falls is Alexander Schnitzler won the 100 meter freestyle. So congratulations to Alexander Schnitzler from twin falls on the state championship. Yeah, this is a kid that uh, is just one of those kids you want on your team because he's, they call him AJ and AJ, you know, he's been with the uh, twin falls for two years swimming and, you know, he came into this season knowing he had a shot, you know, and his goal was to win state in the 100 free and go under 50 seconds. Well, he got both of those goals. And uh, it's just, you know, 49 seconds is what he finished with, but he is a guy that just works super hard in the pool, you know, and uh, I mean, swimming's exhausting. I mean, it's, it's a really, to, to me, I never really grew up swimming. And so looking and watching all of these kids do so well in the different events is pretty incredible. I mean, to me, swimming is a way to keep from drowning, right? And if I'm, and if I'm doing, look, look like I'm doing some sort of individual medley, it's because I'm probably going under and, and, I'm, and I'm flailing. But these kids are so graceful because going to some of these swimming uh, meets, they are so good. And, uh, you know, AJ is one of those kids for twin that just, makes everybody better because of his work ethic and his, and his love for swimming. Yeah. So that was a great story on the boys side. And then on the girls side, I feel like we talked about this young lady last year because she's been a great swimmer um, in years past, but uh, Isabella Tanyoni from Wood River. Um, she wins the 100 yard breaststroke on the girls side. Uh, she won the event last year as well. Uh, not only that, Scott, but she set a new record in the 100 yard breaststroke. I believe she had set the record previously also. So not only did she better her time, but she also bettered her own state record in this event. Yeah. Well, interesting because I, I was talking to their coach about this and, and Isabella is a sophomore at Wood River. So, I mean, think about the career that she is about well, is embarking on right now. Um, but she is one of those girls that is a full-time swimmer. I mean, she competes on the local USA club team. Um, she's been swimming at a young, since a very young age. She won the Snake River Swimmer of the Year Award, uh, competed in tons of large competitions, you know, including Western Zone, Senior Sectionals, and the Washington Open. I mean, this is a kid that swimming is her life. Um, and she's also qualified for the uh, 2024 Futures meet, which is kind of like a, a stepping stone meet between like senior sectionals and junior nationals. So, I mean, th the ladder this girl is climbing is just incredible. And then you get to state and she had the 100 um, 
breaststroke yeah. record. And her goal was not only to win state, but to beat her own record. And so when all of this information started coming back, I was a little confused because it was, it, it just wasn't clear to me what had happened. Right. And so talking to her coach, here's what I was told is that not only did she win first, she, she won it going away. I mean, she was over seven seconds ahead of everybody. That's how good this girl is. But when she touched the wall, she didn't set the record. She tied it, her own record. So setting out to break it two years in a row, wall touch, boom, same time. So that was the the clarification that I needed. But uh, boy, you're going to hear this name a lot. Because this, this is a kid that has got like Olympics written all over her if she continues down this path. Boy, and they measure that off in hundreds of seconds. So I yeah. would I would argue that's more difficult to get the same exact time than it would yeah. be to maybe better the time. One, yeah, 105.41. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> yeah, it, right? It is. It is. It, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, congratulations. There's some really good swimmers in the Valley. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations to Isabella Tanyoni and and good luck uh, at all your uh, regional and national competitions too. That's super exciting. We'll certainly keep an eye on all of that. So congrats to all of our state swimmers that went over and, and competed while representing the Magic Valley. All right, Scott, let's, let's talk football. We have arrived. It's championship weekend. Before we get to the championship weekend, though, a quick post-mortem for some of the teams that fell by the wayside between the last time we recorded this prep cast and to now. You know, I think of Twin Falls who fell uh, in the 4A quarterfinals at home to Skyline. I think of certainly, uh, you know, some teams uh, in the eight-man ranks you know, Hagerman is a team I got to to call their win over Mullen St. Regis, and then they ran into that Kendrick Buzz saw like everybody else does. Uh, but, you know, I want to say something really quickly about Hagerman too, because I was on the call for that game against Kendrick. Sure. And um, that's a Hagerman team that you're going to hear a lot about in the next coming years. They have got a very young team. In fact, there were only two senior starters on that team, and they're running, you know, leading the show with a sophomore quarterback. Uh, and Maven Camp, and that kid's a real deal. So you are going to hear Hagerman again. This is a really good team. And yeah, the buzzsaw of Kendrick, I've never seen anything like it. Um, holy crap. If you've never seen Kendrick play, it's 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 insane. They're so good. I mean, it's like it's like you could take their quarterback and put him on any 5A team in the state, really. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. And, you know, of course, they're coached by the, the Hobarts, and uh, they got all that college knowledge and football knowledge and stuff. So Kendrick, Buzzsaw, Hagerman, Young, they're not done. Yeah, they've got a couple of really big linemen. Alex Johnson, uh, I was really impressed with his size on both lines. Um, they've got, uh, like I said, the four horsemen of Hagerman. And with the game I did, Kai Kendall scored five touchdowns yeah. um, in, in the rain and the mud and the muck up there in Mullins. So, yeah, it was a great season for Hagerman. You know, I think of... Murtaugh, which I, I saw their season come to an end against Logos in the quarterfinals. Junior Benitez kind of went down with a knee injury early in that first half, and he just 
he was out there at about probably 60%. And I, I just wonder if he had been fully available, would that have been different for Murtaugh? Um, you know, but I think of all the teams that have fallen by the wayside and, and there are still three teams alive in the magic Valley that we will talk about here on championship weekend. But, uh, boy, we got to talk about Kimberly, uh, and, and Buell fell in the quarterfinals too, right? Buell fell, uh, in, in a quarterfinal matchup against Homedale, but, um, Kimberly, hosting Weezer in this epic four versus five matchup, Scott, that came down to just a handful of plays, but Weezer escaped with the victory. Yeah. What a, what a ball game. I mean, that one was kind of an instant classic with a, a wild um, finish, maybe controversial, but not, uh, it, not without drama. You know, this was a, a Weezer team coming in that, I mean, they are coached by, the winningest coach in Idaho football history, correct? And so here they come with a game plan. They know what they're going to do. Kimberly is prolific. And Weezer, um, just kind of, let's go to the fourth quarter a little bit. They're up 10 with 11 minutes to go. And if they get one more stop and one more score, it's over. But they they didn't. Kimberly got a touchdown. Um, it was a, a touchdown pass uh, uh, Larson threw. And now it's 35-32 with nine minutes remaining. And then Weezer has a chance to ice it, to go on this long, long drive and ready to punch it in. It's fourth down and Kimberly gets the defensive stop. That turned everything momentum-wise favor of Kimberly. And then that final drive, epic. They get all the way down there and Brandon, you can take it from here. Yeah, well, I was just going to say Weezer drove all the way to Kimberly's seven yard line. I mean, they are yeah. they're knocking at the door. Yeah, Kimberly turns them away on fourth down, um, and then Kimberly goes on a big drive of their own. They've got the ball at Weezer's fifteen yard line, ten seconds to play. Uh, they bring out Brian Rodriguez, who's a great kicker uh, for the Bulldogs. He attempts a field goal. As time expires, it would have tied the game up and sent it to overtime but it gets blocked. The kick is blocked and Weezer survives 35 to 32. Just a yeah. gut punch of a loss for Kimberly. Oh, it was, especially when right before the kick, they had a touchdown call back. I mean, they pretty much thought they had won the game through a touchdown. Everybody's celebrating. There's laundry on the field. And it was, I can't remember if it was a, an illegal shift or I think it was an illegal shift and no touchdown. And now they're forced to attempt the field goal. It's blocked. I mean, talk about winning, getting it snatched away from you. Okay, tying it up, getting that snatched away from you. I mean, Weezer had the same thing. They punched that in on the seven-yard line. Game over. But, man, that pendulum swung in those final minutes in that fourth quarter. It just made a terrific high school football game. And I feel bad for Kimberly because that was a really good Kimberly football team uh, this year. Yeah, and, and I did misspeak when I was talking about the other. Buell lost to Teton, which is playing for the yeah. 3A championship this weekend against Sugar Salem. Fun fact there, I know this isn't the East Idaho prep cast, Scott, but uh, Tyler Richens is the coach for Sugar Salem, right? And he's led the Diggers to four champion, well, all, could be four championships in five years, right? This unprecedented run. Teton's only championship came in 1999 uh, when their quarterback was... Tyler Richens, the guy who's now coaching at Sugar. <laughs> wow, talk about a storyline. And uh, I'm on the call for that game too. So I'll have that little nugget in my back pocket and 
and definitely use that one. But yeah, that's a pretty cool little storyline. Conference, conference foes, right, kind of right down the road from each other. Um, man, it's gonna be could be a good game. Yeah, Sugar, Sugar got the best of them early on, pretty pretty handily. But uh, I don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot closer this time around. Yeah, it'll be a really fascinating matchup, and that is just one of six state football championships taking place across the state this weekend. Three of which involve magic valley teams all below the 3a level scott so let's just start with 2a and let's talk about declo they are going to get the rematch we wanted to see with west side they famously went to dayton earlier this season and defeated west side 28 27 in that crazy game where west side got the inadvertent fifth down remember they tried to score and and couldn't declo held them out uh declo last week uh, played Melba in the semifinals. Uh, they win 38 to 16. Um, five turnovers forced by the Declo defense. Bodie Backenberry had two interceptions. Gavin Rasmussen had an interception. Bodie Lom and Max Snedeker each recovered fumbles. On offense, Gavin Rasmussen ran for a pair of touchdowns. Max Snedeker returned a kickoff for a touchdown. And then Will Gerard, the quarterback, scored on a TD run, and Backenberry scored on a TD run as well. And so if Declo is getting five turnovers on defense and a kick return for a touchdown on offense, I just don't know if anybody can beat them. Well, and that's exactly right. And we saw that same thing in the opener with Grangeville. Uh, Declo came out a little bit sluggish and Grangeville was hanging with them. And then all of a sudden Declo started scoring from 85 different places. And when you can do that, that makes you really tough to stop. Declo is a team that is, it's, they're physical. Um, they they want to get after you but they also can score. And uh, quarterback Will Gerard, I mean, he leads the show, and you know he's definitely can sling that thing around the field, and he can also do it with his legs. He's a great general. This is a really good Declo team, but this game I, I might be the most interesting one just because of the regular season matchup. You know, Because um, anytime you get that, who's got the motivation, right? You, you can't tell me Westside isn't just – licking their chops for a chance for revenge and and Westside's a team that just doesn't lose on their home field so I, I like the storyline there yeah uh we do our idaho sports pick six right all the prep casters pick six games every week there, there's only six games this week so we picked all the championships i will say i did pick west side only because it's really hard to beat the same team twice in a season when when they're both this good and this equal um but declo certainly could win the game it's not like i was a really strong conviction there scott and then we we each had a celebrity picker this week as well right who was your celebrity picker um, my celebrity picker was uh, Leslie, and she, I, I kind of threw it at her and said, "Hey, who's going to win, Cordelina Highland?" Uh, d- 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 you know, and she, she's familiar, but there was no research, no nothing, and uh, made her picks. So um, I thought about, I thought about having my uh, daughter, my eight-year-old daughter or ten-year-old daughter, do it, um, and see what happened. But it's like, you now Logan was breathing down my neck for my picks. <laughs> So I had to, I couldn't get that creative. Yeah. But I had, I had my nine year old nephew. He lives in Montana uh, pick. So he doesn't know anything about Idaho teams. I just gave him the mascots. Okay. It's Rams versus Vikings. And here are their colors. Uh, so in this game, he chose uh, the West side pirates uh, because he likes their colors. They're like his favorite team, the Tampa Bay bucks. And also oh. 
He said uh, because he's in a Christmas play at school about pirates, and he is a <laughs> he is a backup pirate dancer. That is his role in in the production. So, <laughs> oh, isn't it funny how we make the connections to the teams we choose? Right? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, that that'll be. I think of all the championship matchups, that's the one I'm most excited to see how it plays out. It's the most evenly matched to me of any of the six. I agree. So, I agree. Should be a really fun one. Uh, 1A D1, Scott. This is going to be also a very compelling matchup where you've got Oakley and Butte County, and they have been kind of on this collision course all season long. Oakley's 9-1. and one. Butte County is 10-1. and one. Uh, The only loss for Oakley was to Kendrick. The only loss for Butte County was to Kendrick. Um, and so Oakley beats Grace last week 50-20 to 20 in, the, in the semifinals. This was the game you were at, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Severe runs for two touchdowns. Kyler Robinson has a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown on a like a trick play from Bragg Bench. Uh, Isaac Cranny had a rushing and receiving score. They even got the big guy involved, right? Dallin Hardy, one of the linemen, caught yeah. a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, party central for Oakley. I mean, they can score a ton of points. I mean, they they won the opener 70 to 6 uh, over notice, and then they come back and fire 50. Uh, against Grace. This is a scary, scary team. And anytime you've got people like Bryce Severe that can just, you know, carry the rock like he does, I mean, he looks like a big, big, imposing man on that field, but he's really just an average sized dude, just plays so much bigger and faster and stronger. And, you know, when you talk to, you know, Coach Jones uh, about this Oakley team and basically about his philosophy and methodology and, and, they are aggressive. They, they like to use the word violent, but not in a bad way, but just that everything that they do has got to have a purpose and a meaning and you attack. And that's their mentality. And you watch them on the field. That's exactly, you know, what they do. And then, then you got guys like Isaac Cranny that can do everything. Um, he's both sides of the ball, picking off passes and, defending guys in open space, tackling, and then jumps in and plays a little bit, a bit of quarterback when Tyler Robinson went down. So this is a loaded team uh, in Oakley, and, and they are on a crash course uh, for another state title. Yeah, and I didn't even mention Bridger Duncan. He returned oh, to yeah. kick, off, kick off 86 yards for a score um, in that game as well. So on our on our eight-man prep cast this week, Scott, we had Logan Green in, in the host chair and because he's called like – 10 or 12 eight-man games for idahosports.com this year involving a lot of the teams that are in the final four. So he's kind of the guy that has seen him with his eyes. And he he said that he watched both. He, he was on the call for both games, Oakley versus Kendrick, Butte County versus Kendrick. And he thought Butte County actually gave Kendrick a better test than Oakley did. Uh, okay. which which surprised me a little bit. And so he picked Butte County. I also picked Butte County in the pick six only because sometimes, you know, there's just a team of destiny, Scott, mm-hmm. and with with what happened to, to Butte County's, you know, Dylan Waymeyer and, you know, having that medical emergency yep. where he collapsed and on the mend. It just, I don't know, sometimes the story is just too compelling. I'll probably regret the pick, um, but that, that's where I went. But again, this could go, obviously, if Oakley won, it wouldn't surprise me either. So. No, these are two, um, the Declo game, the Oakley game, you got to flip a coin. You know, there's, there's a couple of these championship games that on paper are lopsided um, or, well, maybe not crazy lopsided, but definitely have a favorite. 
this one I could see going either way as well. Yeah, it's going to be a really fascinating battle, uh, Butte County against Oakley. Uh, and then, Scott, I'm 0 for 3 picking Magic Valley teams this week. At the 1AD2 championship, we have Camas County taking on Kendrick in the Kibbe Dome Thursday night. This is a game I will be at, Scott, uh, for IdahoSports.com. Camas uh, County beats Rockland last week, 67-18. to 18. It's the Mushers' first championship game appearance since 1981. <laughs> I wasn't even alive in 81. What were you doing? (laughs) I was starting my freshman year of college. And uh, no, not really. I was 11. So um, I was probably riding bikes, playing baseball, you know, counting it down in the, in the driveway. Three, two, one. He was found, you know, doing one of those things as a kid, but uh, that's a long time. And uh, this is a, this is a really cool community up in Fairfield. They are just another one of those small towns and this whole community is pumped right now. I mean, you can't drive down Fairfield and, and just not have horns honking or go mushers. You know, remember a couple of years ago, we did year of the musher. And uh, I mean, that is sticking. It's the year of the musher there. Uh, they are so excited. And, you know, and Camus is a really good football team. And I know that we talk a lot about Kendrick and how they're this juggernaut. And they are. They could probably beat a lot of 2A teams, if we're being honest. Um, but you, you, you talk to people that know the teams involved and, and I've heard it more than once that Camus might be the team that can give Kendrick the best game. And part of the reason why is that Camus is a physical football team. Uh, they, they are just, they, they get under your skin a little bit with their physicality and uh, not dirty or I'm not saying that at all, but there's just those teams that they just hit you and they hit you wrong. And it's like, why did you do that? And it was completely, it's just one of those things. And then you start thinking and it's physical and every tackle is down. I mean, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but those teams can mess with you. And that's why a lot of people that I've talked to said that, well, if anybody, why not canvas? They play that style. It's, it's the Rodman effect, right? The Dennis Rodman effect where yeah. you get inside the opponent's head. And let's be honest, there haven't been many teams that have pushed Kendrick around this year or in the last three years. And Camas County is a team that definitely can. And I'm with you, Scott. You know, I did pick Kendrick, but it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, Kendrick's going to win by 80 like they do every time they play. Right. Because you and I saw it last year. Dietrich yeah. almost beat Kendrick. And this Camas County team is very similar to that Dietrich team, maybe a little more power than than speed they definitely got speed though um, but they're more physical than that Dietrich team was last year too and, that, so. and that's the key right there is that physicality I mean you and I were on that call for that Kendrick Dietrich game and and the thing that stood out was the fact that it was a physical football team and and Dietrich was not backing down to Kendrick at all you know they stood there and they took a blow and then they fired right back and so if you can get a team not to crumble at the 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 mighty you know, Kendrick Tigers and you hang around and you're not afraid of them, then who knows? Because Kendrick just jumps on you. And next thing you know, they're up 30 to nothing in the first quarter and your spirit's crushed. And you're like, oh, geez, now what? You know, so you just don't back down. Camus has the mentality to maybe do that. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. It'll it'll kick off championship weekend, Thursday night, seven o'clock Pacific time. So that's eight o'clock 
for all you mushers fans. Um, that'll be inside the Kibby Dome. And uh, one other tidbit that Logan Green dropped on the eight man prep cast last night. He said he was talking to Camas County coach Rusty Kramer earlier this year, and Coach Kramer said this is it. He's going to retire after the season. So that's another storyline that we're going to have to see how that you know unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, one of the things I love about you know all these games is the storylines start to come out. And there's a lot to talk about. Yes, certainly. Uh, so it's going to be a great weekend of state championship football, Scott. And meanwhile, we've already turned the page on winter sports as well. Yeah. Girls basketball season has started. Jerome played very well against Bishop Kelly. Was that last night or two nights ago? Uh, last night. You no, know, we took our, yeah. our girls um, on the road to BK. They opened with Eagle and then BK. It's like, you know what? If you're going to be the best, then you better start playing some good teams. And had a chance in both of those games. So it's yeah. underway. Yep. And we are, uh, we've got our girls basketball previews up on the homepage uh, or, or on, on the website, idahosports.com. Um, we've got you know, like 75% of them done by the end of the week. We should have all the girls basketball previews up and running. And Scott, I'll just give you a little tidbit here. Uh, we've got all of our preseason coaches polls, you know, they, they cast their ballot in secret. Jerome was picked second. In the Great Basin Poll, so yeah, it's well, you know what? There's there are like three teams in that conference that are just I don't know. Somebody's going to get left home in that conference. It's going to be pretty decent. So yeah. we'll see. Long season ahead of us. Yes, and we will get into girls basketball uh, more so once fall sports are officially concluded. All right, Scott, it is time to move into Scott's thoughts. The topic. Uh, if anyone is struggling to remember because it's been two weeks yeah, since we, yeah. we uh, recorded, but the topic was language, the language we use. I brought this up because there was a, a game I was broadcasting at where I was broadcasting from the bleachers and this obnoxious parent was right next to me. F and BS and bleep this and do that. And I was just appalled at the language I heard. And so the words we choose, <laughs> the words we use, are very important sometimes, Scott. So that's what this week's Scott's Thoughts is all about. Well, let's just start with a story. It's a gorgeous day at the ballpark, and it's the bottom of the last inning, two outs, and Michael has been waiting for this moment his entire life. The smell of freshly cut grass, the whiff of popcorn, and the mouth-watering aroma of ballpark burgers, it permeates the air. The atmosphere is perfect for baseball, and Michael has a chance to be the hero. All the afternoons spent practicing with his dad might just come down to this. So he steps into the batter's box. He digs his feet into the clay, adjusts the grip on his bat, and shifts his gaze to the opposing pitcher. He swings. The bat catches the end of the baseball, and it's a slow roller to the second baseman. He has a chance to beat it out. And as the runner from third heads for home, Michael knows that if he can make it to first safely, his team will tie the game. The play at first is close. It's a bang-bang play, and Michael is called out, and the game is over. Dejected, Michael walks back to the dugout, and on his way, he hears a familiar voice as it penetrates the air. It's his dad. But instead of offering words of encouragement, he launches into a profanity-laced tirade at the first base umpire. It's embarrassing, and Michael is appalled. He looks up into the stands to see his father, his hero, behaving like a child. It's funny because Michael 
is supposed to be the child. He's only seven. Public profanity, often seen as the rebellious child of language. It wanders the streets of our dialogue and sometimes slipping off tongues without a leash. And we've all seen it. A parent at a game who loses their mind to the point of loudly showering obscenities and completely embarrassing themselves in front of their family and their community. These types of outbursts are happening more frequently and it paints a stark picture in the way that we use language and the abuse it endures when it relates to what we find appropriate. The debate about profanity and its acceptance into certain societal circles has been raging for decades. However, in public spaces, the echo of profane words can be unsettling, making us feel uneasy. Yet it doesn't seem to stop us. And our behavior reflects a society that has lowered the standard of acceptable behavior. In my mind, psychology and philosophy dominate, and I always want to learn the why and explore the how. Why does this continue to happen? Why do we continue to belittle ourselves with our limited self-control regarding language, and how does that affect our children? That's the big one. To answer these questions, first, we must examine our society and its unraveling values, complete lack of morals, and the emphasis now placed on individual expression instead of self-control out of respect for others. Back when I grew up, profanity you know, was nothing new. Locker room talk was common. As teenagers, we lobbed swear words back and forth like beach balls at a summer concert, each one more colorful than the next. But fast forward to now, and things are different. The why is different. Before, it was a sense of rebellion, a chance to act adult-like, but we knew our boundaries. We understood what was acceptable in public and what wasn't. Today, that line is blurred. And as we investigate the why, we can see that the culture has changed. And we are now exposed more to more callous language than ever before. As mainstream media continues to push the envelope and social media continues to provide a platform and pop culture and music continue to embrace the assault on our words, we have forgotten the meaning of respect and restraint. It's no secret that we've loosened our grip on our language between vulgar song lyrics, unfiltered internet at our fingertips and social media, we've embraced a culture that prides itself on freedom of expression, but without consequence. We've become so exposed to the crass side of language that we're desensitized to its meaning. And what once was considered forbidden is now the accepted norm, and we expose it to our children. And then we wonder why first graders are dropping F-bombs in class and have little respect for their teachers and their classmates. Look, I understand that there are roles that profanity plays in our world and that sometimes a properly placed expletive drives home a meaning that softer language couldn't. You ever stub your toe? Enough said. And the efficacious use of certain curse words, well, it can be powerful, but they're meant to be used sparingly. You know, kind of like a spice, a little bit here and there can add flavor, but if you use too much, it kind of overwhelms the point you're trying to get across and it limits your ability to communicate. But that strategic use of profanity is not what I'm talking about. The problem is that we too often take our profanity out of our private conversations and thrust it into the faces of anyone 
who happens to be standing with an earshot, somehow believing that showing a complete lack of couth is earning them some sort of street cred. Interestingly enough, adding to this problem of what's acceptable are the confusing and changing rules we have regarding our words. They don't mean what they used to. You know, we are constantly redefining our language to the point that nothing sticks. While we welcome tasteless language into our norms, certain groups somehow, they get to pick and choose what's offensive and what isn't. An explicit rap song is totally fine, but we're banning certain Christmas songs because they are offensive. We've changed our mascots, our pronouns, and we've created a world where we don't know what's acceptable to say anymore, and that includes profanity. It's all tied together. So no wonder some people cross the line so often, it's because they don't know where the line is. It's been said that profanity is the common crutch of the conversational cripple, and that those who pepper their speech with expletives lack the vocabulary to formulate intelligent thought. But it's the public display of profanity that's the problem. It's kids in the schools or adults in the stands that really give us a snapshot of where we're headed. You know, I think it boils down to lack of respect. You know, we don't respect our language enough to understand time and place and how our kids are the ones that are going to suffer. And that brings us to the how. And how does that affect our kids? Well, when adults act like idiots, what kind of example are they setting? Children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. Remember, we create our children's normal. And if we don't step it up as adults, the new normal will be about a louder, ruder, and meaner individual with no regard for boundaries, and any kind of attention is the ultimate reward. And in a world where everyone is jockeying for position and shock value matters, we've let it creep into our language and the way that we talk to each other. So it's no wonder that parents swear at referees. We spew profanity at police officers and teachers get verbally attacked by both students and parents. The bottom line is that we have become so concerned with the individual that the community suffers. Speaking your mind should not be at the expense of others. In closing, as Michael slowly walks back to the dugout, his dad, he didn't realize that there's a time and a place for everything. And profanity, it can be a double-edged sword, not only slicing our language, but also the emotional intelligence of our kids. Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. So be careful with them, because once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Public outbursts of profanity or exposing your language to children, not cool. Or you might look like a rebel in the eyes of your friends. You might appear tough in the eyes of others. And you might be funny in the eyes of fools. But ask yourself, what are you in the eyes of your child? The tongue may have no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart. And those are Scott's thoughts. I could tell that was one you were pretty passionate about, Scott. I mean, you're passionate about all of them, but that one really struck struck home. I feel like, you know what? I just I'm I'm tired of seeing the the shift in values. You know, I'm tired of walking down a hallway or going to a store and having people act like idiots. You know, the decline of society really gets me because it's like, you know what? 
there's a lot of good people out there, but they are being overshadowed by ding dongs. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm tired of it. <laughs> that bad behavior gets uh, not re well, sometimes rewarded, but sometimes not corrected, which is just essentially the same thing. So yes, people are becoming more outlandish. Uh, definitely. So, yep. all right, Scott, another great Scott's thoughts, and we'll tee it up for another Scott's thoughts next week. Scott, uh, as I was putting together all of these girls basketball previews, uh, throughout the state of Idaho, I noticed a lot of players, and this is a, a topic we've touched on before, um, a lot of players that were at one school last year, and they're at a new school this year, some even in another state. Uh, so, you know, that transfer thing is becoming more and more prevalent. And again, this is statewide. I saw it north, Boise, everywhere. So, we're always chasing the, the greener grass, right? The grass is always greener on the other side, Scott. How do we, how do we, so, because sometimes it's true, but sometimes it isn't. How do we avoid fooling ourselves into thinking the grass is greener, but isn't? That's, that's what I wanted you to dive Ooh, into. Week. Grass is greener. That's the theme. Yep. Oh, well, you know what? The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, it, it, it has a two-sided argument to it. Yeah, we always want something better. You know, we are always chasing something better. And if we're not living for improvement, then we're not really living. But it's going to be that, that recipe of, of fortitude and toughness and grit to appreciate and work for what you have. And just because something doesn't go your way, then you, you bolt, you know, I mean, we, we said that time and time again, and, uh, you know, we're destroying a lot of coping mechanisms with kids because we're giving them an out with everything. And then perhaps a, a governing board doesn't crack down like they should. So it, it is a multi-layered argument. And I'm going to really have to put some thought into this one to find the angle. Yeah, uh, th this is a topic we've kind of covered in the past here on the prep cast, but, you know, specifically the why, you know, the, the why are we chasing that greener grass? And I don't know, it's it's a complex, it's like an onion. There's a lot of layers to it uh, for sure. So I'm interested to see what direction you take it. Oh, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you'll uh, you'll head into the lab and start crafting crafting an essay. And we're looking forward to it as always on next week's edition of the Magic Valley Prepcast, where we will recap the state championships for football we'll dive into maybe early season girls basketball and some things we've noticed and uh another edition of scott's thoughts so uh scott good luck with the championship calls on saturday you've got the 3a and the 5a championship 5A. right yeah. yep so we've got what coeur and highland i'll be on the call for at one o'clock at hold on saturday and then uh the teton sugar game at four o'clock at hold on saturday and this works out well because you're not from East Idaho and you're not from North Idaho. So nobody can accuse you of being biased towards one team or the other. No, not at all. And these are four teams that really I have I've not seen live yet. You know, so I'm watching film and trying to kind of figure out what they do and those kinds of things. But yeah, it's a totally neutral broadcaster like we all are. But I've not seen them. Yeah. I've seen Coeur d'Alene uh, once this year, Scott. That defense is for real. <laughs> that defense is legit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be a good game. I think that Coeur d'Alene Highland game could be a really good one. 
Yeah, should be a fun time. Uh, if you want to see the schedule of games, so again, IdahoSports.com will be providing free audio broadcasts of all six championship games this weekend. Just click on the Game Streams tab on the homepage at IdahoSports.com. Uh, enjoy the competition this weekend, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here again next week for another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.